0: consistency matters sure consistency what we call frequency we want yeah. we want I think I think the shipper wants the same thing the carrier wants the same sure. thing which at the end of the day is consistency Yep. Yeah. I think the shippers that go out and try and award lanes that are less than 50 loads a year
1: is that is that your threshold I'm curious because shippers 50. and carriers have very different perspectives
0: 50 if it does if it doesn't move once a week there's no consistency to it.
1: Yeah, most most shippers, their line is 26. There you go. And I agree. I agree. 50 makes more sense. I talked to. I remember talked to, to guys at Schneider, and they they want 100.
0: What would you say if a shipper was looking for two year pricing?
1: I, I'd say just build a mechanism in every six months, every quarter, at least once, within the midpoint to adjust the rates. Either okay. way, or tie it to an index. Tie it to it, yeah. the DAT index or CAS or something. Um, to do it. And in fact, I'm not a favor of index-based pricing at the like the quarterly level, like a adjustable rate mortgage. Right. I'm more of a fan of it being real-time, load-by-load index, index pricing, which now the technology is out there. We all have pricing models, real-time ones. And so have an agreement why, where that yeah. goes rather than adjusting it every three months or six months for the future period, because then you're either leading or lagging the trend.
0: Right. Well, ha- how do you build consistency with that?
1: There is no consistency to an index. There is no
0: consistency to an index.
1: Yeah. So let's, so here's what some companies do. They say, okay, I will guarantee I cover this capacity. Let me look at your historical buying pattern shipper. And I look at that and compare that to an index. Let's say it's DAT's index. And I notice that you always buy 4% above DAT, right? They say, okay, I will guarantee coverage and I'll do whatever the DAT rate is for that lane on that day. I will charge you 4% above it because that index will move with the market. But that carrier knows they can always buy capacity below that, below DAT, right? And so, therefore, it's fixed. The relationship it matters. We all trust the index. And then you let the, the market take care of it. And this is for the onesie-twosie lanes. You don't do this for your power lane, but for the, the ones where yeah. you don't spend all the time. To me, that's where the future's going. going um, because we have better modeling and we can come up with rates really quickly and we can have trust. The technology's there, API connectivity is there. We just have to get the, uh, overcome the uh, uh, people being nervous about the machine agreeing on the rate. Well,
0: uh, you know, that's a major change from what what the industry was
1: 10 years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. Because TMSs were idiots for the longest period of time. All the expertise was in creating the bid. And then you have this routing guide, which is a wood chipper, would be, it wasn't very smart, was saying this lane, this carrier. And now you're getting much more intelligence down at the execution site. But I think I cut you off, Joe. I'm sorry. Have you seen any improvements in the quality of data that shippers give? I know sometimes shippers would just give a bunch of crap out there and they'd get crap rates. I mean, with all the technology, with all the improvements in analysis and you know, data management and, you know, decision support. you see better data coming out of the shippers now? I think you do. I, I, I'm, I haven't run a bid in a little while, but talking to some of the people who do, like at Chainalytics, Kevin Zwire, who's Mr. Bid, right. I think it can be. It depends on how much effort the shipper wants to put in. Also, it, you can get um, what's known as an overfitting problem. I could give you the perfect information of what happened last year. It's not a guarantee that that same thing will happen the seasonality and things. And so yeah. that's that's the challenge that you have. How much information, you can give a ton of information, but then the carrier's stuck with it. To, to your point, John, some of these carriers are still doing stuff on spreadsheets, right? And so if you give them all this data, they don't know how to process it,
0: it's yeah, a challenge. It, I think it's a challenge. I think depending on what you're doing, who your clientele is, what you're manufacturing, you know, for a Pepsi or Coca-Cola, or somebody like that, they can pretty much guarantee volumes on certain lanes. In, in certain lanes. lanes. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, toilet paper, okay? We know there's X number of Americans in the United States. The average person uses this much toilet paper. We're going to have this many loads of toilet paper.
1: Yeah, it didn't work during the pandemic now, though, did it? Because the channels well, changed.
0: The, the, the channels changed, and the therefore supply the transportation change. changed. Right,
1: but what same thing with beverages. Beverages it takes six trucks to give the same amount of soda for, for the bag in a box versus cans. So right. it totally changed things. But yeah, right. I, I so, understand what you're saying.
0: So when you say, but I think
1: COVID is an anomaly. Yeah, so was 2017, 2018. Right. So so was the, for, every cycle is an anomaly, except right. it happens every three years or so.
0: It, it, well and when you know 20 years ago it was 5 and 7 year cycles now they're getting closer so
1: that's they're, the question is our cycle's going to happen faster more steep I, I don't know i don't know we're seeing this cuz right now the you can the last three cycles if you look at it, the slope of the rates going up for contract match the inverse of the slope going down correct steeper up steeper down steeper
0: up steeper um, down more often. it's happening more volatility so and i think some of that is because of uh, technology I mean, yep. let's be realistic. 20, 30 years ago, the freight would have all been moved that was moved during COVID, but it would have been moved differently. It wouldn't have been on a spot market and a TMS tool. It would have been relationship-based. It all would have moved, but it would have been a different task. It would have happened differently. We wouldn't have the data that necessarily that we have now, and that, like for you, for a DAT. I,
1: but- But John, I still agree that it's a relationship business, but when I got it in the nineties, it was a different kind of relationship. There were a lot of steak dinners and tickets and golfing going on for the relationship right now. I think it's more, there's still some of that stuff going on, obviously, but it's more, what can you do for me as a business? Not what can you do for me as an individual in the procurement side? I, I that's a big change that I've seen.
0: I agree. I don't golf and you know, um,
1: I bet there are people in your company that do
0: there. I think there are people in every company that golf. Uh, Absolutely. For whatever you don't make a
1: business decision based on a golf (laughs) game, but
0: exactly. Or a steak, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, Unless it's a really good steak. You never know. No steak is good enough. So I don't know. Well, (laughs) I I guess I'm going to have to have you make me a steak so we can learn what this is. So, let me let me keep going here because uh, I'm enjoying the conversation. Do you see, I think maybe with the big shippers, they might jump in the dynamic scenario. But that brings me to my next subject, budgeting. Sure. With with that said, you're putting together a budget. Now, we know that COVID happened and no one had a budget for that. There was okay. no
1: budget for that. So, well, they had a budget. It just got blown.
0: It got imploded.
1: It got yeah. Everyone has a budget.
0: Right. You know, it was done the first quarter for the year. So, yeah. how do you budget? And yeah, here's do the what thing. you used to do?
1: I'm do. We're doing project with this right now up at MIT with C.H. Robinson. They're they're a longtime sponsor of a lot of research we do up here. Steve Rates, uh, we've been working with him for a decade. Um, we're actually presenting at CSEMP talking about this. And so, the idea that you had a budget in your routing guide, the output of your RFP as your budget was false. Right. Every year, we made money doing bids in the 90s because we'd take the output of an auction and compare it to what you actually spent. And lo and behold, we saved money every time because we the, the routing guide failures were comparing a blue sky to what actually happened. And so that, the idea that your RFP creates your budget was a fallacy anyway. And so now if you recognize that you look for where the uncertainty happens the low volume lanes, you look at those and you can do two things. You can find the frequency that it'll fail. And then you can estimate what the market will be, the up rate. If you have an estimate of a history and seeing how far you go back into your routing guide, third, fourth, you can map what that does so you can create a range. And so you can have your dedicated, you can you know that price pretty well. Your contract, you can kind of set that up. But then for spot, you just set up a range based on the probability of failure and the probability of what you see the market doing. So it can be done. It's uh, getting a CFO to agree to a variable you know, kind of uncertain budget is a challenge. It's a now, challenge.
0: And I, and I think that was where I was headed and that's where I'm steering. Mm-hmm. You see some open thought now after COVID, right? But I don't think everyone's comfortable to adopt the open sure. budget. And if I say, hey, yep. you know what? Sure. Here's all of our money, Chris, you get all your money and you put it in the bowl and I'm gonna put all my money in the bowl. We're gonna ride this together.
1: Fuel, oh, yeah. how do you budget your fuel?
0: Fuel rides the weekly national average.
1: So should your spot rates.
0: For those small,
1: 15% of your volume, which is 80%, 60% of your lanes, that's what I'm saying will float. And so that's the piece that's uncertain. So I can put it just like you can't predict fuel, but you can get a range. You do the same thing for those lanes for the spot. It's another source of uncertainty. Let's budget for this. Let's
0: award and budget a lane that Mm -hmm. is a multi-stop lane that is different every week. We put different yeah, loads. Yeah, okay. Different together. animal.
1: Yes. Different animal. When you talk about multi-stop, you're talking almost less. Less. You're doing healthier. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you know, we see, we see that being compared with with DAT
1: numbers. So you've got a, you can budget for your dedicated because that's pretty much your fixed contract, right? Right. Then you've got your contract rates where on your higher volume lanes, let's say one a week. That's probably not going to go away. You don't see that much variability there. You might so see some, but you can budget those. I'm talking about the 60% of your lanes that carry less than 20% of your volume. That's where your uncertainty lies. So I'm not, it's not the 100%, it's 20% of your volume is probably going to be okay, variable. So you're going to leave that
0: variable dynamic.
1: Yes, I. Well, that's my recommendation as best you can, because it's going to be dynamic anyway. The routing guide will fail on a load that goes once every third month. Right. It'll it will fail, it we'll will go to spot it will market fail. anyway.
0: Yep, it'll be on the spot market, and the the lower-cost bidders won't take it until it gets up to the point that, like you said, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh down the line, they're going to nab it, and that's going to be what you pay anyway. Yep.
1: So at the end of the day... That's the thought. That's the thought. It's going to be I, dynamic anyway, so why go through the effort? And it cuts the amount of lanes on a bid in half.
0: Oh, absolutely. That I think that's a win for everyone well, if that uh, is the point. Well, multi-stop... Multi multi stop load shouldn't be
1: in an RFP. They I should agree. be. That's a separate animal. I totally totally. You've got to set. you got to separate those. Yeah. Especially you're if right, the, Chris. It's more like LTL. Yeah. If if the routes change, I mean that's last mile, and so that's that's different. I'm I mean, when I talk about truckload, it's a middle mile thing, right? But if your de- right. stops change every time, that's a different kind of model. That's almost dedicated. Yeah.
0: Very good. I agree. I there agree. we go. but All I right. can tell you, I work with a lot of shippers that don't agree <laughs> because they well, that want- sounds
1: like a, That sounds like a personal problem, John. Uh,
0: exactly. I need to you come over here and yeah. take, teach me how to golf and show me what a good stake's worth. We have tried to avoid both extremes. You, you, know, you don't want to be the low, low, and you don't want to be the high, high, and you want to bring that consistency and value uh, to your shippers, which I think- is a value and recognized maybe more so now post-COVID, but they're they're still struggling because if they got hit here and I wasn't involved with them, they're trying to get it
1: back. Absolutely. A lot of clawback. We look at uh, the new rate differential, we call it. We can identify a rate coming in and what rate it specifically replaced, right? Not just on average, just each rate. And we can look at that and it's running, it was running negative, double digits, 12%, 15% for dry van and temp control. It's now into the mid to high single digits, but they're still recovering rates and rates are still way above the 2019 at the contract level, contract level, spot, spot's weird. It's below. Yeah, um, it's unsustainable. But so, so right now, if you look at the con- average contract rate out um, dry van, it's about a 6%, 6.4% compounded annual growth rate from Q1 2020, start of the pandemic to now. So it's kind of returned back. And historically, before that, it was about a three to four percent compounded annual growth rate for the rates, kind of inflation. So we've doubled that, but still, it's back down. And that's why I think we're kind of hitting that. We're plateauing out. I think.
0: I would agree. I think we're we're now starting to see what the new norm might look like moving forward. Yep. We'll um, see. You know, barring hurricanes, uh, something you know, will happen. Something Events will trigger happen.
1: the next trend.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think from here, I think from this point, it's probably only going to go up. It's just win, I think, from this point. We'll see. Well, uh, gentlemen, number one, thank you for, for yep. the Anytime. enjoyable banter back and forth. I love it. Well, I enjoyed
1: uh, talking with you, though, John. Good seeing you again, Joe.
0: Hey, enjoy yeah. you, Chris. Thank you for yeah. the time. Same here, Chris.
1: Thanks. All right. Yeah. Take care. Thank you, guys. So long.